So we are speaking in Mark this morning and where we are so far, just to give you an idea because you might not all have been here, so far we are at the beginning of Jesus' ministry and he's showing us what he wants to do and how he wants to keep going throughout his ministry. He's showing and demonstrating what he's going to do and what he'd like us to do. So John came and told us about him. Jesus was baptized. The spirit came on him. He went away to be tempted. And now he's getting started. He's getting stuck in and he's getting his hands dirty straight away. He's now going to Capernaum, which is where his disciples are from. It's their hometown and they kind of set up base here for a wee while. So let's read about him practicing what he preached. And let's read. If you've not got a Bible with you today, at the end of your row, there should be Bibles if you want to take one. Otherwise, it should come up on the screen in a moment. And if you haven't got a Bible at home, this is a gift for you. For you. Please take it home. So let's read Mark 1, 21 to 34. Jesus drives out an impure spirit. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one, wait, it's not for me, sorry, it's not up on the screen, sorry about that, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly, come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Jesus heals many. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Right, so there's a lot in there, but let's get started and get stuck in as Jesus did. I'm going to be talking about three things that he did straight away. And the first thing that he did was that he had a new teaching and it was a new teaching with authority. Imagine it up on screen. It says a new teaching. It's not there. (laughs) Never mind. And I had a lovely grandma. I'll tell you a story about her. She was a storyteller. In fact, we called her a blether. She was a classic, could talk for Scotland kind of a granny. She was absolutely lovely. And we were so fond of her. But when we went to visit her, a slight feeling of dread came over us. If you got stuck with grandma and her stories, you were there all day. And it was the same story after the same story. They were great stories about life and experience and all of that. But you'd heard them a million times before. And occasionally, we'd get a new story. And we were like, what? It's a new story. We've not heard this one before. And we were hung on our every word. We were like, this is fantastic. So I was thinking about these guys in the synagogue, and maybe it was a bit like that for them. They've been going to the synagogue week after week, and they've been hearing the same stories, and they have a fondness for it. And certainly these stories have had wisdom, and it's kind of coursing through their very being, which is the idea. It was good, but it wasn't new. And this, all of a sudden, is new. And they are just in awe of it. It's amazing for them. 
and this is where I lose my place. <laughs> we can find it. So, where do we get it? Where do we get it? There we go. So verse 22, it says, The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. They were amazed because of the authority, and it wasn't like the usual teaching. And what does this word amazed mean? James, our lovely site pastor, is an amazing preacher. We're really lucky to have him. But I don't think that it quite covers the word amazed in this context. They were so amazed. They were, I mean, their jaws were literally on the floor. They couldn't quite believe it. But when I looked up this word amazed, it's often described, it's often used to describe how people react to Jesus in his teachings, in his miracles. And it's not just, wow, he's so amazing, so charismatic, what a great teacher. They are just in awe. It's also slightly like they're being shaken inside because it's so new and so different. Like, hold on a second. This is not what normally happens in the synagogue. This is new. This is changing. This is just going to be, I don't know, it's spectacular. It's going to change us. And so they had this authority and they, they couldn't quite figure it out. They were asking lots of questions. Who's this? Where's his authority from? So they knew it was new authority. But And how did they know? Well, I think they had that moment. I don't know if you've had it yourself. That it's such a truth. It's unavoidable. An unavoidable truth. When you hear it, it goes straight to your core and it awakens you. I remember feeling that way when I first heard about a God who loved me without condition, who sent his only son to die for me, and that meant that I could have a relationship with him. And it was amazing, but it was slightly frightening. I was like, what? I don't know what to do with this. It's overwhelming. So I think that's how they felt that day. I also thought about it a bit like the guys who are in the room, and I didn't Google their names, sorry, somebody here will know, who invented electricity? Does anyone know? <laughs> no, nobody knows. <laughs> okay, never mind. So the guys who invented electricity, they're in the room, and they've discovered this new power. Wow. I think they just couldn't have believed that. Or the people that imagined they could figure out that they could split atoms and the power that they could gain from that. It was a world-changing moment, and this was a world-changing moment for these guys in the synagogue. It wasn't be the same again. They were realizing the power that was available to this guy, Jesus. And so on this authority, when I started thinking about it to prepare for this talk, I thought of politicians, police, teachers. And it's not always a positive light. I don't know about you. I don't always think about this positively. I think about it as controlling and limiting. But actually, this paints a different picture of authority. And so the good old dictionary tells me, and I love this definition, authority is the freedom to decide or act without hindrance. That's nice. I'm going to say it again. The freedom to decide or act without hindrance. And even better, more descriptive, the Greek translation has so many words to describe this word. It's exousia. And are you ready for these? It's, I'm just going to barrage you with it. Are you ready? Privilege, force, capacity, competency, Freedom, mastery, magistrate, superhuman, potentate, token of control, delegated influence, authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, strength. How cool is that? <laughs> so also as an aside, authority, it's got the word author in it. And it, our God is the writer of all creation and has all authority over all. And so our King Jesus is showing us the authority that he had. And he's showing the people there the authority he has. And he's a king. 
what do kings have authority over? They have authority over a kingdom, a realm. Which realm does our God have authority over? Natural and supernatural, as we'll discuss a wee bit later as well. And so again, thinking about authority and access to things in this lovely building that we get to use, we have the authority to use certain rooms. We've been given permission. Others were not allowed. But if we arrived and the doors were locked, we don't have the authority to open it because we don't have the keys. We have to go up to reception and we get the guy that has the authority. And so that's what we're being given. Jesus is our key to the kingdom. He's going to give us the authority with this key. And of course, if we want to know where he gets his authority for the Bible, from, the Bible tells us time and again, Jesus repeats where he gets it from. John 5:30 says, but I do nothing without consulting the Father. I do just as I'm told. My ju- judgment is absolutely just because it's according to the will of God who sent me. It's not merely my own. In John 8:28. I have to say about you, I have much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I've heard from the one who sent me, and he is true. So Jesus said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you'll realize that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak what the Father taught me. So Jesus repeatedly tells us where he gets his authority from, and it's from the Father. I have a great quote that I was reading. Um, It's from C.S. Lewis. Tom, just for you. And um, Tom's favourite, but it's from the book that is The Case for Christianity. It's a great book if you've got questions about any of this stuff, I'd recommend it. But this quote about authority is fantastic. It might be a bit hard to follow without it being on the screen, but bear with me. So, don't be scared by the word authority. Believing things on authority only means believing them because you've been told them by someone you think trustworthy. 99% of the things you believe are believed on authority. I believe there's such a place as New York. I haven't seen it myself. I couldn't prove by abstract reasoning that there must be such a place. I believe it because reliable people have told me so. The ordinary man believes in the solar system, atoms, evolution and the circulation of blood on authority because the scientists say so. Every historical statement in the world is believed on authority. None of us has seen the Norman conquest or the defeat of the Armada. None of us could prove them by pure logic as you prove a thing in mathematics. We believe them simply because people who did see them have left writings that tell us about them, in fact, on authority. A man who jived at authority in other things, as some people do in religion, would have to be content to know nothing all his life. I love that. And what I find encouraging about that is in terms of sharing my faith with friends, hopefully I'm a person they think trustworthy. Therefore, potentially, if I talk about my faith and how it impacts my life, it holds some authority for them. And of course, we had authority before. Adam was given authority in Genesis. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. We were given the rule. God gave us the rule over the earth, over the lot. And it was God given, but it wasn't ours again until Jesus died and rose. And he left his Holy Spirit as our helper. And we read earlier in Mark that Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And is it a different Holy Spirit? No, it's the same one. We have access to the same authority and power from God through Jesus. If we believe in Jesus as the Son of God who came back to life, it's part of what we've inherited. And why is that? 
Adam, first time round, is because of his relationship with God. And we see again at the end of Mark with his disciples, when they're commissioned, the reason is for is because of the relationship. So the same tool that was the Holy Spirit in him is in us today, if we choose to relationship with God. It's God-appointed authority, our conduit on earth for power and authority. I still query it. I'm like, can I really be expected to be able to do the same things that Jesus did? But this Bible passage points to the answer being yes. We're asked to do as Jesus did, and we have access to that very same power. So if we have this amazing authority in our lives and access to it, are we using it? Or perhaps there are other things undermining that authority. Where in your life are there things taking authority where they shouldn't? Fear, unbelief, sinful thoughts, other people's influence, lies spoken over you that limit what you're doing for God. I just pray right now, Lord, that you bring to mind any areas in our lives that you don't have authority. Shed light on those and help us to hand them over to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And Ephesians 1, Paul says that the power at work in you is the very power that raised Jesus Christ from death. I find that mind-blowing, and I have to remind myself of that daily, I think. It is the same power that brought him back to life, and it lives in us. What an amazing power we have access to. So let's use it. We want to tell people the truth about Jesus and his love for them, speak light into the dark places, and pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if we could start racking up stories and the news would spread about this guy, Jesus, who does this, these things for us through his love, who has power over natural and super supernatural. So, and we're not just doing this for our own good. We want to be big and important. We're literally doing it for the same purpose as Jesus had. Set people free and heal them from all of these places, driven from a place of love. He wants to restore the balance of the world's relationship with its Father God. So that was point one, believe it or not. <laughs> right. So that was the first thing Jesus did, a new teaching with authority. So the second thing he did is that he deals with evil. Straight away, there's no messing around. The kingdoms clash, good and evil, light and dark, square goes. And <laughs> thankfully, light wins, <laughs> and it always does. But he taught truth with obvious authority, and then he's living it out. He straight away demonstrates he's teaching in the synagogue, and then he says, look, I'm going to cast out this demon, and he does with ease. And this makes me think of that moment in Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you've seen it. If you've not, I apologize. I'll try and explain a little bit, just in case nobody's, if somebody's been living in somewhere really quiet and they've never seen Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Sorry. So Gandalf is the good wizard. Yes, he's a good guy. And um, there's a moment where he is tempted by this evil ring. And all of a sudden, the room goes dark and Gandalf becomes huge and he speaks a different language and he casts out the evil and everything's okay again. So I like to imagine this a bit like that. All of a sudden, the room goes dark and Jesus tells this evil thing to go away. However, that is the wonder of movies. It doesn't quite happen that way. It's way more low-key than that. I've definitely lost my place on my page now. <laughs> So, hold on a second. There we go. Find it again. <laughs> so, it's way more low-key than that. What did happen was the same as when he dealt with a natural thing. The storm happens on the boat, and Jesus says, be still. It's a stern voice, 
but it is the same. It's be still. And in Greek, it means be hushed or be muzzled. And he uses the same words. I think about it a bit like Angus. He came home and he said, well, he had a new teacher. I was like, oh, a new teacher. And it's a boy teacher. He's very pleased. He gets to play football and pee. Woohoo! And um, he said, I asked him, what's your new teacher like then? He said, you know what, mum? He doesn't even shout at us. He just tells us calmly and we do as we're told. Yeah, a new kind of teaching and authority. It didn't need to be this big booming voice. It was a still authoritative voice. So then there's this guy that appears, just so 23. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And I was wondering about this guy. I was thinking, had people noticed him already? Or was it just because he was in close proximity to Jesus that it shed light on this bad thing? And all of a sudden, what's obvious is that the people in the synagogue didn't really know who Jesus was. They were asking a lot of questions. They couldn't quite figure out, who is this with new authority? What is this guy all about? But who did know was this evil and pure spirit. It knew exactly who, who Jesus was. He, it knew where the threat was. And in fact, he didn't even just think it was a threat to him because he, he goes into plural. Who is this us that he's referring to? What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Many demons, potentially. Or does he know that Jesus is a threat to the whole evil realm? That's the way I like to think about it. So there's much confusion. And there's, it's a bit like a storm that Jesus comes. And I was thinking about the storms in our lives. And generally, I sometimes feel like I've got storms of thoughts in my brain. I don't know about you, but things like, I can't believe I've messed up. I'm an idiot. I can't do it. It's too hard. I'm a failure. I'm a fraud. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not clever enough. I won't manage. I want to say, let's say, be still in the name of Jesus to those things that create unrest and storms in our head like that. It's enough. Let's cut it down straight away like Jesus did. Yep. The kingdom of God's on our side, so we can always win. And thirdly, the third thing he does is that he heals people immediately and completely. So it says that news spread quickly. I'm like, really? How quickly? I know what my neighbours had for their dinner last night and what it looked like. However, having said that, they're preaching in the morning in the synagogue. And by the time the sun's coming down, the whole town is out. And it struck me as odd earlier that it says he didn't want the disturbed man to speak. What harm would this do? He was speaking the truth. But how do you want people to first hear of you? It's back to being a trustworthy source. He didn't want the impure spirits to be the one proclaiming who he was. They wouldn't trust the source. He wanted his words and deeds to be the thing that made the news spread. And news did spread. A mere 1,500 odd people, according to Wikipedia, if you think that's a trustworthy source. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> But yeah, wouldn't you? You'll never guess what. There's this guy who rocked up to the synagogue. His teaching was amazing. Told this evil spirit to go away. And he's actually going out to heal people. Should we go and check him out? I totally would. And then straight away, they go to um, the house. And Simon's mother-in-law is ill. And she's healed. And then she serves them straight away. Didn't take some recovery time. Wasn't tired at all. No post-viral fatigue for her. She's been completely and holistically healed. Nothing left. And my kids rock at this, I have to say. There is the tiniest thing that they want to pray for. It's super tiny. We must pray, Mum, straight away. Right, okay, we're praying. And then they pray, Dear Lord, please make it better. In the name of Jesus, Amen. They look up, better now? 
And of course, that is the expectation. It should be. It's the way Jesus does it. My expectation is lower, I think. But this is what we should expect because it's the way Jesus did it. Immediate. And I was also thinking about when I'm ill and this mother-in-law. What do you do when you're ill and someone pops in? I hide. I'm usually in a pile of blankets looking rough, tissues up my nose. I don't want to see anybody. But Jesus, Jesus didn't see it that way. He went straight to her without question, without query over amounts of faith or lack thereof. He took her hand. She stood up and she was healed. And then she was able to get on with dignity as well. So there's a challenge again for us today to let Jesus in in a new way. Let him see all the snot and the fevers and the dirty, feverish, unclean places in our lives. Not hide away anything. Or maybe it's that you haven't let yourself get that close to Jesus yet. But I think this is a great example of who he was. He's the kind of guy who takes your hand, doesn't judge you where you're at, what you think, what you're up to. He sees through all that clutter. He sees straight to your heart. He heals it. And then he takes it and he lets you get on with it. He can handle whatever state we come in. His grace covers it all. So I think today we're being given a key. And it opens up a kingdom of opportunities. I still can't quite get my head around this when I say it. To see the potential of his authority that we have access to. We're equipped for a purpose. In the way that Jesus commissioned the twelve at the end of Mark, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name, and they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. We've been given the authority of the rule of God, his presence. It's not about us. It's about working towards the same thing he wanted. He wants to speak truth into lives, to stop evil in his tracks. He wants to heal our lives. And ultimately, it's the same power that has defeated death. And so right now, we can go out from here and do it. The kingdom is in us, and we can go out there. Jesus didn't stay in the synagogue and keep it to himself either. He went into lives and homes and communities. I don't mean go home and tell all your friends and family that they need their impure spirits driven out of them, of course. But what I do think we can do is we can practice what we preach. We can let our words and deeds be the thing that spreads the news. Let people be amazed by the truth we live our lives by. We want to be, speak and be the good news to the world, our own worlds. Have a think about how you can do that. How can you be good news for a neighbour this week? Your friend who's struggling, the person you need to forgive. And you might be thinking, I can't do any of this. I can't go out and teach people about Jesus then what I'd say is share your experience of Jesus with others. In the same way this story spread quickly, I think we can do the same. If you're a trustworthy source, hopefully people will have hold, it will hold authority. What has Jesus done for you? What is he doing for you? Share that with people. Maybe they'll be amazed. Maybe they'll see the power that you have access to and want it for themselves. Help them see your relationship with God through Jesus as something living and breathing and real and snotty and feverish and all of that. Not just a nice thing that we do on a Sunday. Or if you haven't quite figured out where you are with Jesus yet, find somewhere, someone you consider trustworthy and ask them, what difference has Jesus made in your life? Hopefully the answer will hold authority and it will be an unavoidable truth. 
And often this great commission that we have, it seems like too much in our own power, and absolutely it is. But God wants to give us his exousia, his kingdom force, his kingdom capacity, his kingdom competency, his kingdom freedom, kingdom mastery, kingdom influence, kingdom liberty, kingdom power, kingdom right, kingdom strength, to enable us to share his love with the world around us. And I was reading this morning, I'll just leave you with thoughts of the wonderful Nicky Gumbel, but he says, if you're experiencing the blessing of walking in a close relationship with God, those around you will get caught up in the blessing. It must have been hard to be around Jesus and not get caught up in the blessing. So wouldn't it be amazing if that could be the story of our lives, that people see our relationship with God and just get caught up in it. They see that unavoidable truth in you.